0: Welcome to Family Twist, a podcast about relatively unusual stories of long lost families, adoption, and lots of drama. I'm Corey.
1: And I'm Kendall, and we've been partners for over 16 years.
0: This episode, we're going to talk about Kendall's three mothers, his adopted mom, Betty, his stepmother, Joyce, and his birth mother. We thought it would be kind of interesting to share some of their similarities and differences, just to kind of get a, a an idea about these three interesting women. I, I think the first similarity Kendall would be like their religious background, right?
1: For sure, uh, it's interesting. I mean, of course, all the information I have about my birth mother is is secondhand. Uh, you know, from my sisters and my birth mother's sister. From what I can tell, everybody was raised, uh, all three of my moms were raised, very uh, conservative Christian. You know, it's interesting to me that they all have that background. I think it probably should be expected just because they're all three were Southern women. It's interesting, I mean, the, the common theme, it seems with the three of them is that they're all kind people. Uh, extremely kind people, it sounds like, Um, again, you know, using my references to my birth mother, but um, I know that my mom, Betty, and my stepmother, Joyce, were just the kindest people you could ever meet growing up.
0: It's interesting, I think, that, you know, that you turned out to be gay and and coming from (laughs) families with, you know, very strict, you know, Christian religious background, you know, and growing up in the 70s, obviously, there was a, a lot of people were a little bit more conservative about the LGBTQ plus community. I mean, back then it was just pretty much gay and lesbian. <laughs> we didn't have all the the letters that we're using now. Um, and I think it's probably fair to say that Joyce and, and your birth mother aren't going to be marching in any pride parades. Is that fair to say?
1: I think that is fair. I mean, Joyce, my stepmother, has always treated me uh, kindly um but and she's not if she's judgmental, she's not the type of person who is gonna say it to me uh, in other words, like she knows me well enough to know that when I came out of the closet, my stepsister says i knocked it off the knocked the door off its hinges um and my stepmother you know was surprised, I guess because I was kind of one of these militant people when I first came out <laughs> and I think that rubbed her the wrong way and probably would with a lot of people. But she also wasn't the type to to tell me how she was feeling about it. So I just sensed it and I've continued to sense it all these years later. And, and from what I understand about my birth mother, I, I think that one of the reasons that she and I aren't close or haven't ever spoken has to do with the fact that I'm gay. So you know, and again, nobody wants to really say that to me, but it just seems like that's the case. That's a difference really between the two of them and my adoptive mother Betty, who raised me until I was ten, because she was not she was super religious, um, a conservative Christian, but she was very open uh about the, the, the gay community. I mean, you know, my my mom, Betty, was very accepting of the gay community and it to this day bothers me because people will say, after I came out, people would say to me, oh gosh, what would your mom and dad say if they knew you were gay? And I used I laugh and say they kind of thought I was way back then. Um, I have vivid memories of my mother saying to me when I was six, seven, eight years old, that I could love whoever I wanted to love when I grew up. I don't know if she thought that I might be gay, you know, but, um, I, yeah, I, in retrospect, yeah, I think she did think it, at least that it was a possibility. I, I often, uh, have told the story about one reference that makes it true <laughs> is that she and I and, and my dad, they, they put in a, uh, a, swimming pool when I was seven and it was difficult because my father was working so much, trying to work really kind of two jobs <laughs> because my mother wasn't able to work during that period. She was so ill, and so we had after the pool was put in, we had a, a a guy that came over and cleaned it. And my mother was, of course, very friendly, you know, to him in general. Just she was friendly to everybody, but she would always, you know, take him lemonade when he was out you know, working on the pool. And she and I would kind of, you know, watch him through the window. uh, Sometimes I would go and help him sometimes. But my mom would say things to me like, Oh, he's so cute. And then I would say back to her, Yes, he is. And, you know, for an eight year old boy, probably I get I don't know, she was surprised or wasn't, but she uh, never flinched. She never acted like I shouldn't say that she never, you know, chastised me at all. It annoyed me after she passed away when all of her conservative Christian female friends would say to me, oh, she'd be, you know, so they use the word disgusted, but, you know, that's what they were trying to get at that, that you've, you know, come out as gay. And I just laugh at them and say, hey, don't tell me what my mother who's dead would would think. And secondly, I know that she didn't feel that way. She told me she didn't feel that way. So um, I've just stopped. I've stopped trying to have those conversations with these people that were just touting their own beliefs and trying to make me believe that my mother felt something that she didn't feel.
0: I mean, I've heard you talk about your mother, you know, for the last 16 plus years, and you've never, ever spoken of of her um, with an unkind word. I mean, it's everything's been super, super positive. I mean, it's a, it's a bummer that I never got to meet her, but, you know, I think she definitely did a great job with, with raising you those first 10 years. So you've also spoken about, you know, your dad, of course, obviously was, you know, Southern Baptist, um, but he converted um, for your mother, right?
1: He did. He did um, much to his family's dismay, but it's so interesting to me how even if you're only converting from one conservative Christian denomination to another, uh, back home in Arkansas, that was a big deal. <laughs> it was um, my father was raised um, Nazarene, and you don't I don't hear about that denomination very often, but it is still pretty large, I think, in the U.S. Wasn't really common around my hometown, uh, but my father's parents were both, you know, born and raised into that. Uh, denomination and were devout. And it was a big deal that he wanted to stop going to the Nazarene church and start going to the Southern Baptist church, you know, when really, if you look at their doctrines, they're pretty, pretty similar. Uh, It's very, it always is strange to me that that was a big deal. But the funny thing I thought is that when I was a teenager and would complain about having to go to church as often as we did and the, the length of our services, <laughs> my dad would say, oh, you know, it was even more conservative when I was growing up as a Nazarene. So, you know, sort of like count your blessings and and, and shut up, Kendall, um, which I get, you know, but in retrospect, it's like, oh, I don't know how much more he could have stood if he had to go more often than we did.
0: So it's, you've always spoken about both of your adoptive parents not being judgmental about people at all, which is great, I think, because, as you said, you you know, your mother told you that you could love whoever you wanted to love when you grew up. And I think maybe that um, just them being so open and and accepting of people might have made made your coming out easier, even though it happened after they passed. If they weren't as open and accepting, and, and we're talking, you know, as when you were a kid about you know oh gay people are evil, maybe you wouldn't have come out the same way, or maybe you would have never come out and just had to be living miserably in the closet, so I'm certainly happy that they were as accepting because you know we might have not have ever met so
1: it's true. I often think about that because when I was coming out in nineteen ninety four I was scared, right a lot of us are and I was really scared about what people would say in general, especially in my little uh, hometown. Uh, you know, I would I would go back and think about you know my mom and dad and and how they wouldn't be upset, and that did help me, I believe, and it made me think, you know, if if they would have still continued to love me, then that's what matters. I I, I did find some solace in that approach. What are your earliest memories of her when you were just a little guy? It's funny when I close my eyes and think about being super young. My, I always go back to my parents, uh, had a, a cabin on Lake Norfolk in north central Arkansas. And we would go over a lot on the weekends and with friends, and they were avid uh, water skiers, my parents and their friends. And it was just, they were just really positive. Uh, happy times, you know, I just have so many fond memories of sitting around campfire, um, talking, and, you know just socializing and how fun it was to have friends that were my you know closer to my same the same age that I was at the time and it was they were really, really positive memories, and it's interesting when i I don't think about my family home that much when I think about my my earliest memories, but maybe because going to the lake was a, a break from, you know, your normal activities. Maybe that's why that really sticks with me. Because my uh, family home is, you know, not on a lake. It's it's very, it's very flat and ugly and in the middle of um, crop fields. So it's, it's very different. So maybe that's why it sticks out so, so well in my mind.
0: Let's talk a little bit about um Joyce your stepmother and the woman who helped raise you after your parents died um I've met Joyce and, and we've communicated, our, you know, over the phone and and she's been nothing but sweet to me so I appreciate that and uh after we got our domestic partnership and you changed your last name she started addressing the Christmas cards, you know, to us at that last name so I thought that was really nice. I mean, not something that you asked her to do. That's just something she did on her own. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, But talk about why you decided to call Joyce mother instead of mom.
1: If listeners might remember that we kind of already told the story that Joyce, I'd always known Joyce. she's been a family friend since before I was born. And um, she and She and her first husband used to hang out with my mom and dad. And so growing up, I called her Aunt Joyce. So that alone was one reason that it was going to always feel weird to me to call her mom because, you know, I never thought of her that way. And there was a little strange part of me that never wanted to call anybody. But my mom, Betty, mom, I didn't want to I didn't want to use that term for anybody else. So. Joyce and Dad got married. She was like, "Well, I probably shouldn't still be called Aunt Joyce because that's weird, right? Since you're, I'm now married to your father." And I was like, "Yeah, I don't want to. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to call her Joyce. I would never, as a proper Southern boy, I would never have called her by her first name. I just wouldn't." And so, uh, that that's something I've never let go of. But anyway, I just said, you know how would you feel if I called you mother? And she's just, I mean, we just burst both sort of burst out laughing. And she said, it sounds so formal. And I said, well, I think if that's what I'm, that's what it's going to be uh, like it or not. And uh, she was, she was fine with it. And uh, it's funny because all of, all of my life until my father died when I was 16, I called him daddy. I know that sounds crazy, but that was just the term that stuck. And um, my stepsister ended up calling my dad, Daddy after she got, you know, after our parents got married, but see, she had never really used that term. She always called her dad, Dad. So again, we kind of both were using that same logic, right? She, you know, she used to call my dad, Uncle Rube before, you know, dad and Joyce got married. And she wasn't going to call him uncle anything anymore. So it was the same logic that she and I both used and it really worked. So um, my stepsister, Darla, started calling her own mother that she would called mom all her life. She started calling her mother as well. So it's interesting how we both just kind of started using this uniform terminology for for our parents. But um, it was fun and unique, I thought.
0: This is one of my favorite stories that Kendall tells, and I've asked him to tell it um, to several people over the years because I just, it just tickles me. <laughs> so can you uh, tell the story about when you uh, came back home to visit Joyce when you were away at college? I used to go home
1: uh, from college, which is about an hour and a half from my hometown. I used to drive home on the weekends selfishly to... Uh, Do laundry, (laughs) and then I started working in my hometown on the weekends. So I really needed to go right. So I, so I, I loved seeing my stepmother. Um, I loved doing my laundry for free. I loved making some extra money by working at the pizza restaurant. And so I often um, came home, and I started getting to the habit later in college. You know, later in that first year of doing it every weekend, but at the beginning. I was only just coming sporadically right I hadn't really picked up as many hours at the pizza restaurant at that point. So my stepmother, I would always just call her and tell her, you know, like hey, I'm going to be home for the weekend and um you know, and I would just always give her the heads up. And I needed to do that because she had a, a lock on the front door that was only accessible from the inside of the house. So if she knew I was coming home for the weekend, she would not with that lock on, right? So she, even if I got home super late, and she was already in bed, um, she'd be expecting. me. So one Friday night, or Friday, I did not call her, I did not tell her I was coming home. And my friends and I had gone out for like pizza after leaving class, and we I didn't get home until super late. And as I'm driving in the driveway at my house, uh, at my mom's house, I was like, Oh, I never called her to tell her that I was coming home. Now, this is you know, this is years before cell phones, right? So there was no option for me to whip out my phone and give her a call. You know, what I should have done is driven back into town to a payphone because they were still around at that point in, in time, and I could have given her a call. And and uh, but that was not what my eighteen-year-old um, brain was was thinking. Like, I went come into the driveway, and even where I parked was kind of beside the garage. And so my car wouldn't even have been visible to her if she'd looked out the front window. Right. So again, should not have done that, should not have pulled my car up alongside of the house where she would never be able to see it. But again, wasn't really thinking like that. And I jump out and I think okay, I know where to how to get into the house, right? Because again, I I had my key but knowing that that lock on the front door <laughs> would prevent me from coming in the front door, I thought, I've got to find that secret key that we have stashed out in the, in the yard. So I go find it. I go unlock the side garage door. I go packing, put the key back um, like a good kid. And um, in this whole process, uh, I had woken up my stepmother. And I didn't realize I had because I didn't want to bang on the door. I didn't want to, you know, scare her per se. But um, so I go into the garage and I have to find the second key that gets me into the house. So I go find the second key. I get, um, I, get I unlock the door. I go put the key back. I turn the knob on the door to the den and which is on the on the opposite end of the house where my from where my mother's bedroom was and i reach in the door and i reach to turn on the the light for the room and i hear i hear my stepmother cocking the gun and i flipped the light on as i was saying mother and she and i burst into tears because she said Uh, She could see my my silhouette of my of my body. And of course, she didn't assume that it was I who had come home and she was about to shoot me. And um, she's a really good shot. So I do not think I'd be sitting here today um, if if, you know, if I had maybe come in one second later uh, (laughs) into that room kids um, who are listening who come home from college please let your parents know if that's your agreement uh, please let them know uh, that you that you're coming it was it was terrifying and um, she knew she'd be alone and she had already you know she had taken gun safety training courses and did all the the, the, the training where she went to firing ranges and she's just a very very good shot so it was terrifying to me and
0: her both
1: and i don't know why that makes Corey laugh as much as it does but it always does he's laughing right now and i don't find it funny still to this day it was
0: scary to me but oh well that lived through it <laughs> i i have a sick sense of humor i don't know that, that story just tickles me for some reason <laughs> let's let's move on to uh she who will not be named um We've we've touched on this in past episodes a little bit, but not too much. So it's been four plus years now since um, Kendall found his birth family, you know, on his dad's side and his birth mother's side. Um, But he has yet to have any direct contact, phone call, email, letter through the mail with his birth mother. And... I know that's weighed heavy on your mind these last four years, probably continues to this day. So um, talk a little bit about your feelings about that.
1: You know, it's funny. I, you're right. It still weighs heavily on my mind. And I still want to have a conversation with her. one conversation at the very least um, before either, you know, something happens to either her, her or me. Um, and we're both, I think we're both well. I don't think that, that anything is imminent. It's this overarching desire that I have. I don't know who wouldn't want to have at least one conversation with the birth parents. But I will say, with that being said, now four years later, I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that it might never happen. Um, I don't feel like that's fair. Um, I'm just putting that out there. I've talked to so many women. And not necessarily women her age, but women who have told me that I should be as forgiving as I can be that she hasn't spoken to me, and that I can never know what it's like as a mother specifically to give up a child i I hear all of that i I really try to have some grace when it comes to the way I feel about it, but I also. Feel like she might regret if if something happened to me tomorrow, and I you know died suddenly. You know I I worry that she would also feel like she'd missed you know an opportunity to to meet me. So I feel like it could only be a positive thing for us to have at least one conversation. And God bless my siblings, her other children. It sounds like they've all all three have have really, you know, tried to impress upon her what I just said, that fact. And they've all encouraged her, you know, they've all said that I seem like, you know, a nice person and that I don't want anything from her. I'd love to hear from her. uh, And I'm getting some of this same content probably from her sister. But I'd love to hear stories about my grandparents, you know, about the extended family from her perspective you know i feel like that can be interesting not that it isn't interesting when my auntie and i talk about those things. I, it is and when my sisters tell me how wonderful my grandmother was and my grandfather was and you know that's that that is wonderful but there's just something i think that could be special for me hearing it from my birth mother but um you know right now, I'm living vicariously through my siblings, and it's all good, and my cousins and my auntie and you know it's it's still wonderful. I have no regrets <laughs> about finding you know the family. I think though that I never dreamt never in a hundred years did I think that I would not have spoken to my birth mother four years later i I wanted to speak to her the day I found her. You know, I had no reservations. I had no, and I didn't know anything about her at that moment. I didn't, you know, I didn't know that she wasn't a serial killer. I, I just, I just assumed the best and and thought, well, no matter who she is, no matter what she's done, I still want to meet this person. And uh, I think that's only. I feel like it's only natural. I I hear from other adoptees that it isn't for them. Uh, some people don't care. Some people don't about meeting them about knowing who they are about meeting them about getting to know them but i do I, I i might to corey's previous point i might feel differently if my either of my adoptive parents were living i don't think so um because i'm i'm kind of an inquisitive person and i love family connections so i feel like it wouldn't matter whether betty and were you know, living or not, um, and especially since I know that they were in favor of my search for my birth family, so uh, I feel like it wouldn't change. I feel like I would always want to to meet uh, my birth mother and her husband and that other side of the family that I'm really not related to at all. You know, but um, they've been part of my birth mother's life and my siblings' lives, you know, forever. So I I just feel like there's a whole family that I'm not really getting to experience on my mother's side.
0: I'm sure that you both have more in common than probably either one of you thinks right now. Your birth father described them, you know, at at the time when you were conceived as they were just some hippies in, you know, 1970 or 69, you know, so... I'm hopeful that maybe this podcast might be the bridge that makes that happen. We'll just have to wait and see. So while we're on the subject of moms, I'm super fortunate that I have a really good relationship with my mom. Kendall has a really good relationship with my mom, but um, we're also close with some of um, my friends from growing up mothers as well. And, you know, there's three that come to mind that pretty much think of me and Kendall as Their, you know, their kids in quotation marks. You know, not their. They didn't give birth to us, but you know, we're we're part of the family. So, I really hope to get them on the podcast as well, uh, especially because one of them ties directly to the the journey of finding Kendall's family. So, we'll definitely share that story in another episode. I'm also excited that we're starting to hear about other people's uh, found families and and outrageous family stories. Just as we've been talking with people about doing this podcast, so. We're going to start reaching out to those folks and see if they would like to come on and be guests because we want to share their stories too. I mean, the, one of the points of this podcast is to kind of help people on their journey, um, be it, you know, adoption journey, found family journey, um, difficult family situations, what have you, you know, we've been through some, some crazy stuff and I'm sure there's things that we can learn from others. and. So I'm really excited about getting to talk to and share other people's stories. But we are also trying to get in touch with Jennifer, a girl that Kendall dated in the seventh grade, uh, who was also adopted because we think that might be a good addition to the podcast as well. We definitely want to get some good adoption stories in here. So there's there's quite a few people from Kendall's past who helped shape who he is and his journey. His best friend, Jimmy, who would be hysterical on his own podcast <laughs> because he is just insane. Uh, he He's going to take part in this uh, soon. And, and it's I, I promise you it's going to be hilarious. Just one more thing to look forward to in uh, future episodes of Family Twist. We will see you soon.
1: Thanks for joining us today in this edition of Family Twist. We'll be back with you soon. This is the Family Twist podcast hosted by Kendall and Corey Stulz with original music by Cosmic Afterthoughts and produced by Outpost Productions and presented by Savoir Fair Marketing Communications. Have a story you want to share? Visit familytwistpodcast.com. All our social media links are there as well.